Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Hello. (laughs) Is that your name? I didn't remember. No, my name is Tom. And I'm Nina. We're the hosts of uh, Gundam Podcast Mobile Suit Breakdown and old friends of Amato. Yeah, college friends. I was there when you first got in a Gundam pod in Japan. That's true. It's the happiest moment of my life. (laughs) Also, not for nothing, our college experience watching Utna together definitely Mm -hmm. inspired the podcast that we make now. Oh, is that right? Watching Utna together specifically? Well, because along with watching Utna, it was always about an hour afterwards of trying to (laughs) dissect Utna and figure out what exactly it meant and what it was trying to say. And doing so in extremely granular detail, like every shot in the episode dissected what was meant by the specific filmmaking choices that were used here. That's interesting because I don't remember watching Utna with you. <laughs> what? I definitely, re- I definitely remember watching it what? with another friend in college, but I'm drawing a blank. Amato, this was a formative moment for us. And now we feel deeply betrayed. This interview is over. (laughs) (laughs) This was in your dorm room in our senior house. That definitely sounds like something I would have done. (laughs) (laughs) But I must have overwritten it. uh, Or I don't know. Like, I I distinctly remember watching it with another friend. That's about it. I'm just now watching it with my spouse, but she's more the sort of person who asks, will this be explained later? No. So we're trying to to work it out on its own terms at the time. The answer is usually kind of, sort of gets explained. It makes thematic sense. (laughs) You have to go to the fan fiction if you want a clear explanation. Uh, Sometimes. So after that, watching through all of Gundam, all of every Gundam series, episode by episode, must be a cakewalk, right? Well, it's definitely less metaphorical. (laughs) But given that we're comparing to Utna, that's not saying much. (laughs) Less metaphorical than Utna, yes. But yeah, I have listened to some of your podcasts and really enjoyed it. It's a very different style than what we do, of course. In that you actually do research and preparation and editing and, you know, have standards. Whereas we are a book club. But such a fun, such a fun book club. I mean, we're having fun at least. And I'm very much looking forward to talking with you about Gundam related matters here. That was my pitch to pull you in is that I found an old mobile suit Gundam fan fiction that I had some reason to think might be good. Which was not as easy as I would have thought. And gosh, do we ever have a lot to say about it. Well, that's good, since it's like six pages long. I was hoping there would be a lot to say. (laughs) Oh, I have a question first, though. Have you watched First Gundam? I have now watched one episode of First Gundam. (laughs) Which one? Six, because I wanted a little bit of Char and... um, Garma. Char? Char. Char. Char, okay. I wanted a little bit of... Char and what's his name going into this? Um, um, Garma, Garma. I should know that now. But I also listened to your episode six and episode 10 of your podcast to prepare. Okay. But until then, I, I hadn't seen, I don't, I've never really seen much in the way of Gundam at all. 
I've only just absorbed it through anime cultural osmosis a little bit. Okay. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> but we I won't mean, hold it yeah. against you. <laughs> I'm really just counting on you two here. In comparison to my total lack of background, I, I was also like, no help when we did a Gundam Wing uh, episode. But anyway, in comparison to that, could you fill us in a little bit on where you're coming from with Mobile Suit Gundam specifically, I guess? Uh, sure. So Mobile Suit Gundam is the beginning of the Gundam franchise. It is the very first Gundam. And in fact, it is commonly referred to for shorthand as first Gundam. Um, comes out in 1979. Didn't come to the U.S. officially until the early 2000s. So uh, we are talking about a uh, anime series that cast a long shadow long before people here were ever really able to see it or see it translated, subtitled, and, and dubbed. Um, I first saw it in college, I think, but I'd seen a lot of other Gundam stuff before that. And then Nina... <laughs> then I first saw it when we started this project. <laughs> and you haven't been watching ahead or anything, right? Correct. Uh, well, I saw a couple of seasons of things before we started the podcast. Uh, but that was probably good because it convinced me, oh, okay, there is enough to talk about here <laughs> to make an entire podcast out of it. You've got something to look forward to. And those are seasons of contemporary Gundam series. I saw a couple of episodes of Unicorn and I saw the first series, um, the first season of Iron-Blooded Orphans. So we won't be discussing those on the podcast for maybe a decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the Enough process of, exactly the process of getting Nina to start watching Gundam with me has been one that I've been uh, slowly chipping away at for years now, and I finally figured out <laughs> the way to get her to do it. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, it sounds like you're having fun along the way, at least, at least from what I've heard. Absolutely, it's been very fun. So, question: Are you going to be watching? episode by episode, all of like the weird little spin-off parody type things related to Gundam. Yes. SD Gundam, all this stuff, great. Yep. You're going to have some weird times ahead of you, I think. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that stuff has never been officially translated, so it's going to be fun for us. <laughs> and Tom, you've been, you said, a long time Gundam fan. Yeah. I describe myself as a lifelong Gundam fan because uh, I've loved Gundam since the first moment I saw a giant robot. Um, and the first time I ever saw a giant robot that was a Gundam, I was instantly smitten. Hmm. So in those decades then of Gundam fan experience, have you read or dare I say written any <laughs> Gundam fan fiction? I have never written any Gundam fan fiction. I have definitely read some Gundam fan fiction, uh, occasionally unintentionally, um, because in the early days of the fandom, in the early days of the internet, uh, there was not a whole lot of official information out there. And sometimes you'd go looking for official information and, and instead you'd find fanfic, which is fine. <laughs> but you might get a little misled about some things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the early days of the fandom on the internet... It's interesting. Finding an old Gundam fanfic itself was not too hard, but like the earliest one on the internet, you know, that was still like 19, I don't know, 
it's like 92 or something, mm-hmm. and it's set like post-Shar's counterattack. Mm-hmm. I needed to find something that was older than that, or, you know, set before that, because I didn't want to have you two reading a fanfic, you know, I, I don't, didn't think I could ask you to read something set later than you are in the podcast. Yeah, and I should make this very clear for your listeners, by the way, because Gundam is eventually going to come back and it's actually going to cover this very specific period that's covered in the fanfic, but it won't do oh, really? so for quite a few years. Um, They're doing it now, aren't they, with the origin? They they just recently finished an anime series about, uh, it's called Gundam the Origin, and it covers a variety of different things, but one of the things that it covers is uh, Shar and Garma at Military Academy. That's all I'm going to say on it, because part of the mission of our podcast is to preserve Nina as a spoiler-free <laughs> uh, person who can experience Gundam for the first time with the podcast. So right. for listeners, while I could say a lot of things about how this fanfic connects to that official fic, I'm not going to. Don't add We'll me. return to it in like 20 years when you're caught up with Gundam. <laughs> and you really need things to talk about. They probably aren't going to make any more Gundam in that interim period. So yeah, we'll definitely... <laughs> We'll definitely have a lot of time on our hands. Sounds right. One of the things that I did uh, in preparation for this is we have a bunch of old Animag magazines, uh, which is an anime. F- uh, it's not a fan magazine. It's fairly professionally done, but from the late 80s. And we have the first issue, which is from 87, and talks about the compilation movies for First Gundam. And what I noticed is a lot of the issue is devoted to synopses of all of this anime, which <laughs> made me realize that most of the people watching these anime would have been getting like tapes from Japan without any subtitles or dubbing and following along with the synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that was uncommon. It's, this was like really early in the fandom scene. I should probably introduce it. Specifically, the fanfic we're reading today is called Everyone Excels at Something. The author is Karen Klenk, and it's illustrated by Mohang. And it's published in an old fanzine. It's the only anime fanzine of fanfiction that I've gotten my hands on so far, because we have no budget. And it's called Anime House Presents Volume 1, uh, published in 1988. Pre-90s, I was one year old. Uh, <laughs> Not yet an anime fan. But this specific issue won a fan cue award. That's like cue for quality, but it's also supposed to sound like thank you. That's the joke. Thank you. (laughs) Ah. Yeah, there you go. The things that were (laughs) funny in the 80s. I mean, I don't know if it was actually funny in the 80s either, but that's what they called the awards. It won a fan cue award in 1989 for the best anime fanzine in the previous year. I don't know how many there were knocking around. I guess there were some other ones. And the illustrator, Neymohan, also won an award in the same year, same fan queue awards for best anime-type illustrator. And so that's kind of what I had to go on. And this is one of two Gundam fanfics in the magazine. We're not reading the other one because it's terrible. Um, (laughs) Uh, Terrible in what way? I mean, I I can summarize it for you once we're done with the original story, but... Um, in the, in the preface, I don't know if you read like the, the beginning couple pages of just the editors talking about it. They were like, we're not sure whether we 
or like we weren't sure or the author wasn't sure whether they want to publish it because of the content. Really, it's just also not really well written or a story that comes to a like plot resolution or thematic mm. arc. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like a scene. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that. This one's better. Okay. This one's a better story. All okay. Right. And so, yeah, late 80s. I was definitely curious going into it, thinking about what did this person have access to? How were they experiencing Gundam? Because I don't think the fan sub tape scene got going for a while there. I don't think late 80s is when, you know, that was, you could like order some, some fan sub tapes and have them delivered to your door, no problem. Yeah, probably not. Um... I know people were watching things at anime convent or science fiction conventions, I guess, at that point. That and ordering imports, that was the other thing that I noticed in issue one of Animag is a lot of the space is devoted to ads for companies that do imports. Right. Yeah, this would have been when the the VHS market was really taking off. Um, VHS, uh, VHS copies for anime is a huge moneymaker, or at least was a huge moneymaker for the studios. So that was something they were going all in on, and it was definitely something that was becoming more popular at this time. Um, First Gundam was astronomically popular in Italy, and so it's entirely possible that there could have been tapes, probably bootleg tapes, coming from Italy into the U.S. and rather than from Japan. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Well... One way or another, this author experienced First Gundam in some way. And it's interesting, the stories about Char and Garma, and like going back and watching a little bit and listening to your episodes, uh, Garma's alive for five episodes in First Gundam? Yep. Out of, out of what, 50? How many? Out of uh, 43. 43. Yep. It seems like this is a pair of characters that captured some fan attention even though they're not really that big in the series itself right they, well Shar is very big um both oh, right. as a presence and as a, a just in terms of screen time Shar and garma absolutely captured the imagination of the fandom in a huge way and still does today well and garma he's a bishonen he's young and beautiful and tragic dies beautifully yeah. And a very early example of the type. Huh. That's interesting. Um, he's, he's also frequently described in the fandom as a space twink. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the progenitor of an entire type. It sounds like maybe his brother's more of a twink, no? No, Garma is absolutely the twink. Okay. His brothers are... um. You wouldn't have seen them if you hadn't gotten a little further in the show. I did not see um, them. One of his brothers is uh, like an enormous mountain of a man with a craggy, grizzled face that's more scar than flesh. <laughs> um, and the other one is like a like a preening European aristocrat, but very much like his face is very flat. He, he looks very angular and sort of radiates cruelty and arrogance. Hmm. I see. And in comparison... Garma's the pretty one. Garma's pretty and and soft and um, falls in love Romeo and Juliet style and then dies. And yeah, I, I see how that's kind of a fan favorite type situation. <laughs> well, and there's also this bond between Garma and Char, which is both shown openly and then a, a longer running 
history between the two of them is hinted at. And Char doesn't have relationships with people, not really. And the few that he does have always attract a ton of attention because of how charismatic he is, but also how closed off he is. And so it really fires the imagination of the fans when they see him behaving even a little bit like a human person. <laughs> I guess that, that makes sense. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, that I know Char is an incredibly popular character, so much so that he has, like, clones in later Gundams or something. I don't know. Um, I mean, anytime you, see an, anytime you see a charismatic anime character wearing a mask, they're probably a Char reference. Tuxedo mask? He's that big. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe. Yeah, I, almost certainly. <laughs> remember, Tux, remember, Tuxedo Mask's Japanese voice actor is Amuro Ray's voice actor. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, so that's absolutely a reference that they would make. Well, we will talk more about their relationship, I'm sure, because that's the entire topic here. But why don't we ease into the story a little bit? Uh, does one of you want to lead us off talking about kind of the premise of the story? Sure. So the story opens at the military academy at Zeon, which is one of a huge number of colonies that humanity has put out into space. It will later become the site of a rebellion against the Earth government that will lead to a war. But right now, our characters are younger. Uh, they are bonding over being schoolboys together. At the academy, I'm Garma's not... family. Oh, oh, yeah? excuse me. I'm not entirely clear how old they are at this point. They like gotta be late teens, right? Like, I believe, I believe the fanfic says that they're seventeen. Oh, does it say that? I missed it. Sorry. Continue. Oh, uh, no problem. Garma's family is very aristocratic. His father is the putative tyrant <laughs> of the whole of Zeon. Shar is an orphan. Anybody reading this would probably also know Shar is not his real name. It's a pseudonym he took on. His father was probably assassinated by Garma's father. Shar's father was the prime minister of this Republic of Zeon that was replaced by the Zabi. I, I didn't know any of this. Does, does Sharma know that? Garma? Excuse me. Garma does not know that. No. Garma does not know. Char does. Uh, one of the plot lines through the show is that Char has been working towards getting vengeance for his family almost his entire life. And vengeance for him means killing so all of wait, his So wait, wait. So when we're looking at this relationship <laughs> between the two of them <laughs> at the military academy, it's earnest friendship on Garma's part. Yeah. And Shar fully intends on murdering him at some yep. point in his future. Wow, that's yes. that's levels I was not aware of here. But it's also this is a more interesting relationship already. It's also important to remember we don't actually know that the author of this fic has seen the entire series. That's very, very true. At the, they might not have known that either, huh? At the time when at the time in the series when Shar uh, assassinates Garma, sort of. He arranges for Garma's death. The audience doesn't know that Char is trying to achieve that end until it happens, and doesn't know his motivations until some like, 20 episodes later. Yeah, that's something I was going to ask you about, because 
they're really chummy in this fanfic, and I was going to say, watching it, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of attachment on Char's part towards Garmand. I, you know, wasn't sure where where that was coming from or where the chumminess that the author re- read in was coming from. I didn't know. But it makes sense that there's something larger at play there. From watching the show, there is a sense that they were close friends, but that that has evolved into more of a rivalry as they've become adults. Uh-huh. Well, at this point, uh, the fanfic opens with the headmaster, right, of the academy. Yes. Who's kind of like, just has a scene thinking to themselves and is kind of General Hes- General Heater? General Hester. There we go. General Hester spares some thoughts to those two because apparently they have a history of getting into trouble together. Right. A setup that really made us think this fanfic was going in a different direction from where it ended up. I felt... Yeah. Okay. We will finish summarizing and then I will explain (laughs) how I felt. Uh, Basically, the two of them come up with a caper of sorts. They... Well, de- definitely, definitely Char came up with the caper and is dragging Garma along on it, right? But Garma seems to get a, a certain thrill out of participating. He doesn't seem reluctant at all. No, he, he does have a moment where he's like, oh, I, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Or, you know, he has a moment of, of twinge of remorse of like, I'm, I'm supposed to be an honorable, upstanding prince person. But basically he's on board. Yeah. Uh, they sneak past various... Uh, guards and proctors and people who are supposed to be making sure they're in their beds at night. As well as some charmingly antiquated electronic security systems. (laughs) They disable part of a fence. They sneak out into town, uh, retrieve a prostitute they have hired, and then sneak her back into the compound because apparently that's more exciting and fun. Presumably have sex with her and then... Fade to black. And then sneak her back out again. Right. And then it and finishes with them getting in trouble, but not really. Right, that's most of the whole the fanfic. At the end, I mean, it's like school picture days for, for some reason. <laughs> so that, I guess maybe so the author, so the illustrator has an excuse to kind of draw them posed together like that. And uh, the general in charge of the academy is like, I'm pretty sure you two look too smug. I can't prove anything, but stay on your toes. Yep. Yep. And that's pretty much the plot. It's not too yep. long. Yeah, it's a pretty tightly contained little story. So, let's see, where do we start here? I think <laughs> I have to just sort of start with the name and even the first page when we have the headmaster talking about the school and the students and that he's been sort of monitoring Garma's relationships. I really thought this was going to be a gay love story kind of thing. Yeah. We have to say... I just assumed that it was. Like, when I... I don't read these things before I assign them, so that I'm surprised (laughs) also. But glancing at it, I was like, oh, okay, it's Sharma. Got it. That that sounds like good content. Let's do that. Exactly. Like, in the fandom, Shar and Garma, or Sharma, as it's said, are a very popular couple. Not just a very popular duo. We also, when we did research on this, felt like there was quite a good historical basis, as well as some rather 
uh, sexy shots in the show for them having had a romantic or at least sexual relationship when they I got were to see the shower scene. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The shower <laughs> scene. Also that um, Japanese military academies, I should back up a little bit. First Gundam is all about Imperial Japan. Um, First Gundam is all about the, the authors expressing his feelings about um, the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, Imperial Japanese military machine, the atrocities it committed, the wars it started, and the ultimate fate uh, of the empire, as well as the cost that it took on the civilians of Japan. It's a huge theme running through the whole show. The uh, director, Tomino, has always been very explicit and upfront about this particular allegory. Uh, and so when we talk about the uh, the 1920s, when we talk about Japanese imperial military academies from that time, um, they were uh, very gay. There was a <laughs> lot of homosexual relationships happening between students. It was expected. It was normal. They were notorious for it, both internationally, like among other militaries, uh, and they were notorious for it within Japan. It was well-known. It was well-documented. Um, and until the imperial apparatus turned hard against sex and hard against gay sex especially, uh, you know, and suppressed all of that information, this was just like a totally normal and expected thing for young military uh, officers. So, I mean, that might be partly the author of the fanfic experiencing the series from a different cultural perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, on the note of like, you know, a, a like romantic sexual relationship between these two, we do fade to black with a sex worker. We don't know I, how that threesome went down. Yeah, until that moment. I had not actually assumed it was a threesome. I had assumed they took turns. Uh, well, I, it, I think that's what the... <laughs> I think that's what the, the author of the fic intended. But until that fade to black moment, I was convinced that it was going to be like, oh no, we want you to watch. Uh-huh. That's why Something we brought like you here. <laughs> I guess I was also expecting it to be more explicit, given that the intro to the magazine, to the fanzine, talks about that they willingly accept R and X-rated content if it's well-written and within their other parameters. Yeah, well, the other fanfic is, but it's not that well-written. Um, <laughs> anyway, the... And yeah, we'll get back to that just because now that I've mentioned it, I should probably follow up on that. <laughs> but for this, yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised by the direction that it took. And the author isn't interested in the sex scene. There's like nothing. It, it fades to black immediately. It's just kind of about the the shenanigan caper of these two intelligent and at least in Char's case, very capable young military academy people. Can't speak to... Can't speak to Garma. Seems like Shard is kind of all the heavy lifting here. Well, that is borne out in the show. The I, the show is um, very consistent with this fic in that you have uh, a general trend of Shar manipulating Garma and getting him into trouble. Uh, this is this happens in both more innocent ways and ultimately in very very deadly ways at the end. But there's also a feeling throughout their relationship of Garma, like trying to impress Shar. He is desperate to try to uh, equal his very competent, very charismatic friend. 
Well, I can definitely see some of that here. He doesn't express exactly that kind of insecurity, but you can see that sort of like general insecurity in his character being presented in terms of like all of his siblings being very impressive in various ways and him kind of not feeling like he's living up to that or feeling like there's always this pressure given to him. Yeah. And yeah. then also the fact that he is sort of in this position of following Char um, and not and just not leading. Yeah, the fic spent a lot of time on Garma's siblings. For a story that's about a caper, the actual caper itself takes up very little of the text. And throughout the course of it, they encounter not one stumbling block. Yeah, they both talk about how much trouble they'll get in. <laughs> and there's mention to be, of being caned. But it doesn't feel like the stakes are very high. No. It's Not definitely a schoolboy romp. Right. And you're right. They only get nervous afterwards about, like, did anybody connect this to us? But there's no moment of anxiety where it all could have turned south. For something that contained no actual porn, it felt very porny. Like, it felt like the whole <laughs> thing was a setup so that you could enjoy the sex scene. And then there wasn't one. Hmm. So did you find anything to enjoy in it then? I thought the characterization was very on, like very on point for these characters. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Um, Char does always seem to have that kind of cocky uh, swagger and confidence, more or less, in his own abilities. And yeah, we talk about... Oh, so sorry, I just cut you off. Oh, it's fine. Uh, the character development of the two of them was really enjoyable, I thought. Uh, especially that both of them are sort of irreverent, that Garma never really wants to play up who he is or his background. It actually, He would actually rather forget about it. <laughs> and Char is perfectly happy to play along with that and to be, you know, impertinent. <laughs> <laughs> In the show, when they're first... When their relationship is first introduced, we learn that they're friends, that they've been friends for a long time, and that they have a kind of low-key rivalry going. And we learn that the reason they're friends is because they knew each other back in Military Academy. And that's sufficient for the purposes of the show, but it does leave an open question of, like, why are these two very different people so close friends? And this fic does a very good job of walking backwards and saying what things might have been like at the military academy for the two of them to develop this deep and lasting friendship. One that is still, uh, one that can you can, one that you can still look at and plausibly think, oh yeah, Shar is still planning on killing him this whole time. Right. But also kind of likes him. Yeah, knowing a little bit more background now from talking to you, I like that that irreverence that you're talking about is an act of rebellion for both of them, but in very from very different <laughs> degrees. Yeah. Like, you know, Char doesn't care because he's, you know, planning on being a rebel in the long term anyway, and also he knows he's, like, really, really good. Whereas Garmus is more kind of a rebellion against his family rather than against the system or against the expectations placed on him. By his family and the system, I guess. It seems to work well. Yeah. Well, and 
even little things like about both of them being very diligent students for very different reasons again but it fits it works garma feels like he has a lot to prove shar will not be able to get his plan to work unless he can infiltrate like the very heights of Xeon society and so he has to excel mhm by the way in regard to them being really good students apropos of nothing really i guess uh in one of the brief scenes on like the top of the second page when they're talking about oh they sat down they hammered out their math homework they were talking about an ongoing game of risk they were playing yes i love i had to do a double take <laughs> i loved all of the little um they're kind of like anachronisms because you wouldn't expect things from the 80s to show up in the far future of the universal century but this the the antiquated bits of ephemera from the 80s that make it into this uh into this fic like the risk the way this the way the electronic security systems work the fact that shar's knowledge of electronics is like unusual um, <laughs> and the way they talk about the um the way they talk about their classwork but probably the the one that stands out to me the most is the way the characters names are spelled because oh, at yeah. this point in Gundam at this point in the world the english uh translations the english transliterations of these character names had not been finalized there was not an official style guide on how it was supposed to be done and so there are many many different approaches to doing it um it would not have surprised me at all if shar had been written out as shah like s h a um we now say zion but at the time it was gion or jion or sometimes even zion yeah i definitely noticed the gion as the name of the the country i mean i mean it's a reasonable transliteration i think right it's yeah it's in japanese it's, it's gion yeah it's gion okay so that's what i would transliterate it as too if i was you know an amateur Japanese person in the 80s, or I, I mean, that's how I would transliterate it now if I didn't know the authorial intent. Well, and pretty much all of the names. Kishiria usually gets written now as Kaisilia, like K-Y-C-I-L. Um, Degin versus Degwin. Uh, oh, but the one that I thought was the most funny to me was dozuru because there's no attempt there to make it into anything other than japanese right if you saw that name in an official publication today it would be dozel dozel okay yeah that's definitely all of its time and um i guess I, I, I noticed the Gion specifically, and I didn't really know the rest of the spellings, but the game of Risk definitely jumped out at me. I would, <laughs> I would hope that if any war games make it to Military Academy and Space Future, it's not Risk. <laughs> I hope I wonder we can pass like, down something better. I wonder if it's a branded like Space Risk. Oh yeah, definitely. It's like all planets instead of countries. They also mention wargaming in a more general sense earlier in the story. Which makes me wonder what they're picturing. Like, are they picturing Games Workshop style? <laughs> like Tabletop with miniatures. Warhammer game? or <laughs> Which would have been in its infancy at this point. 
Yeah, relatively speaking, but I, I mean, the the military wargaming tradition does go back a long way in, I think, like, German military at least, which I think you've said in your podcast that Zion is drawing from a lot. But I don't know yeah. if the author knows. I wouldn't expect the author to be thinking of that necessarily. <laughs> Can we just point out as we look through this that the illustrator uh, clearly thought the relationship between Garma and Shar was uh, much closer and much gayer than the author did? <laughs> <laughs> You think it's that distinct? I thought they were kind of restrained in a lot of ways. It's kind of them being next to each other, but not quite looking at each other. Or here's like Garma looking at Char, but, you know, not the other way around or something. It's definitely restrained compared to if you were to Google Sharma art today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I th th that illustrator... Nemo Han did illustrations for a bunch of the stories in here by various authors. And so I would assume they got the submissions from authors and then this person drew all the pictures. Mm -hmm. And so it makes total sense that they would kind of have their own interpretation of things. I don't think they were working alongside the authors of the text. I just think it's, I, I know I'm harping on this, but I think it's bizarre to look at the relationship between Garma and Shar that appears in the show and come away from that and think, yeah, these are two very straight men who together <laughs> would go out and get a prostitute for each of them individually. Like, we have some additional context for viewing this that makes us more certain that the relationship between the two of them was at least sexual and maybe romantic when they were in military academy together. But um, most of the fandom in the West does not have that context and still came to the same conclusion we did. Like, well, all I know is from like fandoms a decade or more later, and you definitely still had like holdout contingents for some time reading explicitly, you know, <laughs> homosexual couples. It's like, no, they're just really good friends. <laughs> they're cousins. They're cousins. Yeah, I mean, that was the translators, but Uranus and Neptune, definitely there were people who were, like, trying to justify things so that things were not gay between them. You know, some, some fans who had a lot invested in, in liking what they like, but also it being very heterosexual. But it's definitely interesting. It's definitely very uh, not modern-day fan perspective, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a very different perspective. That was one of the things I noticed from the introduction to the zine also, is they specify that they're okay with gay romance as long as it's textual, as long as it's... <laughs> if it's gay in the show, it can be gay in the fanfic. Did you wonder Although, in what cases that was like actually the case? Like who was gay in the show or whatever? Well, and yeah. also just that it feels like an odd thing to stipulate from the perspective of 2020 <laughs> like uh -huh. why not why not let people write characters as gay even if they're not gay in the show yeah well i definitely agree but i also have a little perspective about kind of like what they would be referring to there okay. because uh one of the stories that they it's in this zine is a fanfic of from Iroka with love Iroka yori ayokomete and the same publishers would later do a zine of just fan fiction for that. And it was a manga that was brought over 
by fans and distributed as like really early fan translated manga published as zines instead of put on the internet. Wow. And and it, it seems my impression is it's kind of like Lupin the Third, if both Lupin and Inspector Zenigata were hella gay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's kind of the vibe I get from it. Okay. And so I mean these authors were fans of some, you know, homosexual romance. And for some reason just thought, like, I guess it would be untrue to the characters to, like, mess with their sexualities. Or something. Even though, I'm, I'm not sure Shara Garma had much of a... Well, I guess Garma falls in love with a woman. That doesn't mean anything, in really. In terms of writing out other options. Right. Yeah. But... I do think it's fair to consider this is 2020 talking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the world I assume, I assume things were different in the late 80s. Well, is there anything else that you two want to comment on in this fanfic? It is only six pages. We don't need to make a you know two-hour production out of this. I appreciate that I learned a new word. I looked up astrogation because it looked fake. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> I did not look that up. What does it mean? Uh... It's navigation in space. Oh. No wonder we don't word. use that every day. Mm. <laughs> we would if we lived in space. Right, which we do, technically. <laughs> it's just we rarely okay, yes. navigate through it. Unlike people living in a cylindrical colony floating in the ether. That would still be space, right? Yeah, but yeah, they it's actually... All space. It's all space, but they actually have to navigate it. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. They have to navigate it, yes. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think definitely one of the more... No, 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 Amato. <laughs> they have to astrogate it. They have to... You're right. Very correct. <laughs> well, I agree. It's definitely a story that... It's not bad. It's not badly written. It's got some good character work, but it's a lot more interesting looking at it as a cultural artifact of the fandom of the late 80s than it is reading it as, you know, a story that I would sit down and read for pleasure uh, right now. Yeah, and... I, it seems like there's some neat ideas there, but it needed something more to make it exciting. Well, I wish I could have found something longer for you two to, you know, sink your teeth into. And check back in once you finish um, Char's counterattack, because <laughs> that story seems longer and, you know, kind of meatier in terms of its content. Well, and if it's the very first Gundam fanfiction to appear in English on the internet, I mean, that's a historical artifact. We have to dig into that. It is. I want to read it, uh, but I'll save it for a few years, unless you pick up the pace. Maybe in the meantime, you can watch <laughs> some Gundam yourself. I, I guess I could. I don't watch a whole lot of things with two small children. Um, I mean, I watch a lot of Thomas, the tank engine. <laughs> That's fair. There and... are small children in Gundam, though. I mean, maybe your kids would like it. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> well, I will say that pretty soon, I think Serena and I are going to sit down and record a discussion about a Thomas, the tank engine fanfic, because we just have things to say about that franchise <laughs> that needs an outlet. I can't wait. <laughs> uh Let's see. Oh, and let's see. In terms of final notes, I may as well come back. There's another first Gundam fanfic in the, in the zine. It's called Act of Cruelty. It is basically a scene. It's not a story. 
And the scene is basically Garma's older brother. It's translated Jiren here. G-I-R-E-N. What's Giren. the current translation? Giren. Giren. Is that right? Okay. It's basically Giren sexually and physically assaults him. And he's like very traumatized and he calls Char on the phone. The illustration has a like very 1980s looking phone for comfort. And, you know, Char shows up and um, it's not really resolved. Like, that's the story. Yikes. Oof. Yeah, I know. I, I'm so, glad you did not ask us to read that. I glanced at the fanfics enough to see which one looked like it was any good, and it wasn't that one. <laughs> so, so, end of story there. Um, unfortunately, the... I don't have any other old Gundam fanfics on hand. Apparently, Anime House Presents number 2 had a story... From ZZ Gundam? Is that the next series? That's Double Zeta, and it is... Double the, Zeta. It's the series following Zeta Gundam, which we're covering right now. Uh, Double Zeta came out in 1988. Okay. No, that would have been really... Wait, no, sorry. Uh, it happens in Universal Century 88. <laughs> I believe it comes out in 1986. Okay, I was going to say, because that fanzine came out in uh, <laughs> yeah. 89, that would have yeah, been like a is, fast turnover. This is the problem with uh, Gundam from this era, is that they all have numbers associated with them for the uh, the year in the fictional calendar that they take place in, and a couple of them sync up perfectly with the real-world calendar, but most of them do not. Hmm. That's maddening. Just to make it extra confusing for everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, if I don't watch more Gundam, I will at least probably listen to more of your podcast because I just got back into it when I had to, you know, Good. pull up a couple of the um, of the episodes to renew myself on Sharma. Sharma is the ship name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told we're very good. You should probably listen. <laughs> I recommend it to my listeners. You run a tight ship and you make sure you find a lot of interesting stuff to say, no matter what the episode is. Eventually, you'll just have said everything about, like, Japan and war, right? You're going to run out of, of actual content before you run out of, like, Gundam episodes, right? Don't worry, Gundam starts talking about other stuff. Oh, does it? <laughs> you'll just have to listen and find out. Well, we did do one episode about Gundam Wing, so I'm a little bit more familiar with that. And um, it's still war. It's still just all war, it seems like, in the 90s. <laughs> My sworn oath to spare Nina from spoilers means I cannot respond to that. I'm sorry. I, I just spoiled the presence of war in Gundam Wing. I'm oh, very no. Sorry. <laughs> One of the things that's great about Gundam, though, is that as it moves through time, it has a tendency to update what it's talking about. And so it's still war, but maybe instead of World War II, it's the Cold War mm. or the war in Afghanistan or, you know, any number of other conflicts. So there's always something new there. I don't know. I remember what someone saying war. War never changes. <laughs> mm. That feels wrong. I, that might be inaccurate. I'm not a war expert. <laughs> I'm only an Utena expert, just like you are a Gundam expert. Expert's a bit much. <laughs> we'll wait until you publish your book. It's true. By the time we're done with this, 
we'll be experts. <laughs> well, before we close out this session, then, we stop our discussion of fanfics by just going back over things we want to complain about and then ending on things that we want to praise. So what are our major complaints about this fanfic? Not gay enough? Not gay enough and kind of dull. I think that's one complaint. <laughs> the I agree. It's it's not it's not tedious because it's short. No, it's it's and it's even I think it's even quite well written in terms of the basic like sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's that the structure has one huge gaping plot hole because it builds throughout the whole thing to a climax, and the climax is fade to black. <laughs> well, the other climax could have been something going disastrously wrong in the caper, like you said, which also doesn't happen. Any kind of a climax would have been fine. All climaxes are off screen. It's true. <laughs> and that just Nina, makes it any... a letdown. <laughs> Nina, do you have any other complaints? That was really it. Um, All right, well, I'm, then let's... Oh, sorry. I was just Continue. Saying, I'm persnickety, and so, of course, I noticed every typo. <laughs> <laughs> but it being a fanzine, I don't want to get too hypercritical. It was never so bad that I didn't understand what they meant. It's a labor of love. <laughs> I, I understand how that could happen. They probably had to do it on, like, a typewriter and cutting paper out and arranging it and that kind yeah. of thing. No spell yeah, checker. The, the submission guidelines are another time capsule, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. All the formatting that they wanted. The idea that somebody might have wanted to submit a handwritten story and they were like, typewritten is preferred. <laughs> yeah, I like how they have to specify, do not send the original copy of the story. <laughs> Don't send us your only copy of this thing that you wrote. Well, and then they had, um, they, you could send them a computer-readable file if you wanted. But it had to be, I think they said, pure ASCII for the text. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, computer-readable files. I remember those. <laughs> they didn't stick around. They didn't really catch on. All right. I, I don't think I have any other particular complaints. It is mostly that... Uh, kind of structural flow problem of just it not reaching any pitch of excitement. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, I feel like it would kind of work if this was the first chapter in some longer work and it was kind of, like, setting up their dynamic and the narrow escape that they have would, like, build to, you know, them then getting in deeper trouble or having more, you know, hair-raising stuff later on, but it's standalone. So... I'm just brainstorming here. Yeah, I could see that. A sort of establishing chapter. All right, but did you enjoy the process enough that I can pull you back in after double Zeta? Absolutely. Excellent. I am very excited. <laughs> I'll even say something I liked about this fic, since I think that's the other part of uh, what you wanted from us here at the end. Oh, I forgot about things that we liked. Yeah, why don't we do that? <laughs> things we liked. Um, I think they did a good job of capturing the world of Gundam, of first Gundam. Um, this feels like it could have come out of that series. The, the world of the Xeon Military Academy that they create, the characters, the relationships, the way Garma is viewed by his 
uh, fellow students, by his teachers, and so on. The perspective of General Hester, while like he's a you know a character created for this fic, he's not from the show, but uh, I think his perspective would fit very well with any of the adult military officers who do show up in the show. Is it nostalgic to go back to that only having first Gundam to look at? Well, no, it wouldn't be nostalgic because you never had that perspective. But <laughs> you can still get that secondhand nostalgia, I guess. Yeah, what's the name for the feeling of nostalgia for something you never experienced? There is a Deja word for that. vu. Maybe. Something <laughs> like that. I have that feeling about the late 80s anime fandom a lot, actually. It's such a... Um, when when you see it from the outside from today, it's like a beautiful little time capsule of something that feels really special. Yeah, I feel like I experienced the tail end of that. I feel like that's the era. The era is defined by you can't get stuff very easily. <laughs> and so you take what you can get. And like the series is that you watch are whatever is available, however you can get it or whatever. Yeah, and so when we were itty-bitty, tiny anime fans, just getting into it, that was our experience, at least for me. Yeah. Whereas now, there's just so much and so easy to get that, you know, you could drown in it. Yeah. I mean, probably my earliest anime experience involved watching Sailor Moon on TV and routinely missing episodes and so having to watch it out of sequence. Because they didn't, it wasn't on demand. I couldn't just fire up whatever one I had missed. <laughs> and you couldn't. And you would have had no way ending. of knowing how much you missed either. No, none at all. Well, I mean, except that you, you know, only missed so many weeks or whatever. Yeah, the thing that I most liked about this fanfic is that I did feel like it gave me a good sense of who Shar and Garma are. Like I felt like I understood them as people to some degree. Uh, which is what I want from most fiction. Like, oh, do I feel like I know these characters? And pretty good that it can do that in six pages. Yeah. Yeah, I think the character work is definitely what I would praise too, and we mentioned that before as well. So if you want to read it, I'm going to find a place to put it online. Um, I scanned the front cover and the table of contents of submission guidelines, and then this, which happens to be the very first story in the zine, I feel like no one's going to get angry at me for posting a portion of a zine that has been out of print for 25 years or whatever. <laughs> if anyone gets mad at me, just let me know and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> but you can find a link to that. I'll set up a bit.ly once I find a place to host it at bit.ly slash RFR. Uh, I was about to make it RFR everyone, but um, that's a little... That's such a vague word. Let's Why not RFR Sharma? Sharma. Well, it depends. How do we spell Shar? No, I, oh, wait. Spelling Shar is not a problem, huh? Just pronouncing it. Let's make it Sharma. That's C-H-A-R-M-A. RFR Sharma. And if people want to find your podcast, where can they do that? They can find us at GundamPodcast.com or... They can look up Mobile Suit Breakdown, that's Mobile Suit Breakdown, wherever fine podcasts are served. And if people want to watch First Gundam, where do they do that these days? <clears throat> um, good question. 
you should first check to see if your library has copies of the DVDs or Blu-rays. And if they don't, online? you'll have to buy them because it doesn't stream anywhere. Really? Really? That's really. <laughs> well, Sunrise has this horrible habit of putting a series up on YouTube, but they don't tell you how long it's going to be there, and they change them frequently. Huh. Okay, uh... So then, great. Good luck, everybody. I was expecting you to just say, like, oh, it's on Crunchyroll or, like, it's on Hulu or whatever. It's very good, and it deserves to be watched. I'm sorry that it's not easy to do so. We're replicating that 80s fandom experience. <laughs> you might have to seek out VHSs and a VHS player. Uh, if you do want to buy it and you are in the United States, uh, Right Stuff Anime is the company that distributes it. That's where I used to get stuff from. That's where I got my Udna DVDs from, I think. At least back in the day. Yeah, they're pretty great. All right. Well, we'll close this up then. And we record the ending every time. The, you know, our, our lead out. So that I have a chance to make mistakes constantly. <laughs> okay. And you two get to sit back there or chime in or whatever. This was episode 82 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Everyone Excels at Something by Karen Klink, published in Anime House Presents Number 1, which was published in, like, 1988. You can find a copy of it, hopefully, at bit.ly slash rfrsharma, that's C-H-A-R-M-A, and that'll just be this story. But I'm hoping to get back to the scene at some point in the future for a Vampire Hunter D fanfic that also won an award individually. My next challenge is just finding somebody as a guest who cares about Vampire Hunter D in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> I have only one aside, and it's to congratulate you. I hadn't realized you guys had produced so many episodes. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah, we hammer them out. <laughs> Whether or not anybody cares. An episode every week. Uh, yeah, I think we have kept up a, at least posting something every week, generally an episode. For a year and a half now, better part of two years. Podcasting is hard. That's very impressive. Yeah. Well, thank you. You can go back and probably find an episode about something that you're interested in. If you're just here listening for the Gundam, we cover a lot of stuff. Including one other Gundam fic, like I said, Gundam Wing. But a bunch of other stuff as well. As for the stuff you've been listening to, this, the intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at retrofanfic or on Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or leave reviews or comments on whatever service you're hearing this on. And I said we publish episodes whether or not anybody cares, but we do like to hear from people who actually did listen and actually did enjoy it, or have something to say about the series or the, you know, the fanfic or whatever. Karen Klink, if you're listening, we always like hearing from the authors. Uh, sorry if you didn't want this dredged up. <laughs> Usually the authors, though, are really gracious and, like, excited to have someone seriously discussing something that they wrote seriously way back in the day. We've had a lot of great author comments. That's really cool. 
Have any Gundam creators reached out to you yet? Not yet. We Give did it time. Get, we did get to meet Tomino. We have a signed copy of one of the first Gundam Blu-rays. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, did he attend a convention here? or? He was at Anime NYC in 2019. Oh, that's well, awesome. It was for the 40th anniversary of the release of First Gundam. Wow. Catch him again in 10 years, hopefully. <laughs> I think the last time he was in New York was in 2011. Or might have been even earlier than that. It might have been as early as like 2001. He doesn't come out here very often. Yeah, and I guess you shouldn't hold your breath as he's getting older either. Tomino will live forever. (laughs) Tomino. Tomino never changes. (laughs) All right, we're going to close it out then. I'm Amato. I'm Tom. And I'm Nina. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. We're on Earth right now, if you can call it. On Earth, right? Not a different colony. For now. (laughs) Would you sign up to go to a space colony? You know, for the rest of your life? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Who who am I going with? That's the question. Like, are all my family and friends also going? Uh, Who can you convince? How far along are we in the process of figuring out the problems? (laughs) (laughs) How far along were they in First Gundam? So it's important probably not to, very. It's important to note in the backstory of First Gundam, uh, the people who went to space didn't have a choice about that. Really, they were what forced. Was it like a, they were Australia. No, it was sort of. It was the underclasses of Earth being forced off of the planet so that it could be preserved for the elites. Oh wow! No wonder that led to a space war. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a messed up. Uh, it's a pretty messed up world. <laughs>